Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast. Our goal is to help technical professionals accelerate their career progression, increase their job satisfaction, and bring you the advice we wish had been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Corty, at NetworkNerd underscore. We both work in the tech industry with backgrounds in IT operations and sales engineering. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Thanks for joining us for episode 251. This week, you're in for part two of a discussion with Todd Cochran. He's the CEO and founder of Blueberry Podcasting. If you missed part one of our discussion with Todd back in episode 250, go back and check it out. We talked about Todd's experience in the Navy, focused on electronics and synthetic aperture radar. He worked in a division called Special Projects, and he had a love for tinkering. At one point during the course of his career, Todd was injured really badly. His job in the Navy changed a little bit, and he found something called podcasting, which he grew to love in the days when podcasting was very young. And this hobbyist podcaster became someone who started a business based on podcasting. And once Todd started that business, he was able to look at the market, see that there was a shift, and adjust his business accordingly. This week in part two, how does a CEO of a product and services-based company look at product roadmaps? And how do you prioritize the needs of the business and the needs of its customers compared to the nice-to-haves? And when you're making these product roadmaps and looking at the future of your business, how do you develop strategies to use new technologies in ways that will be valuable to your organization and to the customers you serve? And how can we view our careers as a product, perhaps with their own roadmap? Todd also shares some ideas on how CEOs have to focus on the people under them and how to keep them engaged. He'll share how he does it. Let's get the full story as we go to part two of our discussion with Todd Cochran. And a 15-minute conversation I had with them literally fixed hundreds of problems that I had going forward years in advance. So when you have that opportunity to get help from a like a genius and they can they can bring this the topic down to your level, man, you just need to just milk that dry. Cause what do they have? They they've got experience that you've they've seen stuff you've never seen. So yeah, I think that's you know, that advice that I got from my buddy Randy. I still best friends with today uh, was probably one of those pivotal moments that was gave me good career advice. Oh, that's such great advice. And I think it is an iteration of being mindful of the gaps you have. Just like when you got on your show and said, I need an MBA, I need a lawyer, I need these other personas, developer, because I don't have those skills. And so it is the the seeking the knowledge from other people, but I think it's also the humility, as you said, to recognize you don't have it. You need to go get it. And 
approaching it in a in a humble way. Hey, will you help me? I was a high school graduate who went in the Navy. I didn't have a degree. I didn't get my degree until after I'd been in the Navy for 20 years. And actually, the degree to me when I got in after being in the Navy for 20 years is I understand why this knowledge you get in college is so advantageous because I had already learned that through the road of hard knocks over 20 years. So I just went to college just to get the credits, you know, to be able to, because I already knew this stuff. Going back to what you said, I think that you just have to surround yourself and follow good people. I, I often too, often saw folks that would fail because frankly, they hung out with the loser in the group and that loser might be the fun person, but that loser's not, they're not going to advance in a company or go someplace. It's an interesting variation on having those skills and, and riding the, the different technology waves that are around. It's also diversifying the group that you're with so that they have outstanding skills that you can call upon because it's kind of impossible for one person to be an expert at everything, right? Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. To have like a access to a brilliant marketer and a brilliant, you know, technologist and a, you know, brilliant uh, financial person and a brilliant lawyer, you know, or even just really good, trustworthy versions of those people who through their own networks have access to the brilliant person for those times that you need a brilliant person. Again, it's kind of diversifying the skills that you have so that you can make a pivot or you have like multiple ideas and multiple people to handle multiple different types of issues. You know, one thing that I think people have to be careful of, I, I'm the owner of the company, I'm the founder. I can tell we are going to do this. I don't do that. I want the team to come together with a plan on what we do and we, we work collaborative together because there's sometimes the Todd wants something really, really bad, but guess what? It's Cause I'm a geek. It's a little geeky thing that 90% of my customers will never need. So I have to be careful in prioritizing projects and stuff that we're doing that will help the 90%. Now we've done some things recently because we had to in what's called podcasting 2.0 where we brought new features on because it's a chicken and egg thing. We, you know, we have to be the egg or the chicken. We have to be the one that is going to basically put it out there to, to build adoption. But those types of projects that we do are done with the forethought that we know we're building this right now for 3% and we want to grow it to 10, 15, 20. But those projects are rare because it goes back again. If there's stuff that I want that's in the roadmap, but it's like way down the road, if we have time and, you know, a few extra days of dev cycle, I might be able to sneak it in there. But it's, you know, we were very, very cognizant of the roadmap of what we do. And I, I'm in that document every day, our, like our 2023 roadmap document. I'm looking at everything deep and I'm deciding, okay, is this what we should be doing? And then every two weeks we have an oversight meeting with leaders of the company and we all, we, we rack and stack stuff because sometimes priorities need to change based upon marketplace. But I think that's, you have to be careful because if you're working scrum, you know, if you interrupt the cycle, you could really do huge damage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't often have a roadmap for ourselves and our careers that we look at every day and go, oh, is this, is this really what I want this far out? Or Most likely, very few people have ever even thought to try and build one, much less look at it and keep it updated well, it's, it's a company roadmap. It's not my personal sure, roadmap, sure. but it might as well be because I live this 24-7. I think Nick's saying that 
the company's execution is kind of analogous, analogous to an individual contributor's view of themselves as a product, yeah. right? Their career as a product. So your your company is your product and analogous to your career. And you've just pointed out how important it is for you to kind of have a vision for what it is today. I'm sure that like excellence in execution of what it is that you're doing already is important. But you've just pointed out that that roadmap, you, I'm, I'm guessing you have some kind of innovation budget like this. Listen, we need to kind of push the envelope here a little bit. You know, nobody knew they needed the iPhone until the iPhone was in people's hands. And then they went, oh, I get it. I get it now that, that this is something that I need. And podcast hosting features are probably like that to a certain degree. But I think as individuals, we don't necessarily do that with our own skills and our own growth as, a, as people. Like, and maybe we, we need to. We need to have a, sure, I'm focusing a whole bunch on execution excellence for what it is that I'm currently doing. And maybe that's a baseline, right? But I also need to have an innovation budget for myself to kind of diversify my skills and keep an eye out for that, maybe a changing technology wave so that I, I'm not locked into just excellence in execution of what I'm doing. Kind of like you weren't locked into excellence in, edu- in execution of just being like a, a media you know, intermediary. I think too, we took the approach from the very beginning because we we're all remote. We had an office for a number of years, but we closed that office because COVID just, you know, everyone has went to the wind in you know, five or six different states. So we bring the team together once a year and do a deep dive. We spend, we basically are, lock ourselves into a boardroom and we, the, that board is full and we have an agenda and we look at everything and solicit new ideas and what are we doing bad and what are we doing good? And so we have that adjustment. Then every six months we do another virtual one where we do like a half day. But the whole team, because we're small, big companies can't do this. If you have more than probably 20 people, this is going to get hard. But we bring the team in and we, in, you know, we have in-depth discussions about you know, where we're headed, what we're doing. The development team, they criticize the production team, the production team. You know, we have a good discussion and we're very frank. And we try to make sure people's feelings don't get hurt. But if someone, if, if some group's behind or not doing the right thing, we tactfully say, hey, we need to fix this. And we make action items from those meetings of things we implement to try to keep the, keep the flow. I will say too, you know, every company has a stack and it only takes one bad apple to really make a negative impact to the company. So if you have someone that is, maybe they're brilliant, but yet they're always, maybe they're not staying current. Maybe they are always fighting the process. Uh, sometimes it's better to cut those folks loose. Even though you think you shouldn't, sometimes getting rid of that, just maybe one person can re- completely change how a company's atmosphere is and, and the flow and, and the speed. I'll say this, we had someone leave the company about a year ago. Uh, I didn't have to ask them to leave. They left on their own. They thought it was time to go. And the company completely had a transformation from that. It was literally, it blew me away. So I, I learned this late that sometimes it's just better to say, hey, thank you for your work. It's time to part ways. And it's just like pivoting. Sometimes the employee mix needs to change too. Certainly. 
And a lot of people who move into leadership roles are not prepared for that mindset that you need the right employees doing the right things with the right skills. It's a hard thing. A lot of our guests who have gone into management have have highlighted that. What are some of the other challenges that you have noticed taking on the role of CEO for a company? So being in charge of the product, like you talked about with the roadmap, but also the people. You know, I've been pretty lucky. We've had almost zero turnover. A couple of people were asked to leave and a couple of people have left. But the team's been pretty rock solid. And that tells me that we must be doing something right. And what, and what I really think it is, and ultimately is, we all get bored if we're doing the same thing. But we're in a business where we can build new stuff all the time and have new challenges. So I think from my perspective is, if you're not innovating, then your employees are going to get bored and they're going to go someplace that is innovating to give them a challenge. I shouldn't probably say this, but I want them going home thinking or, or quitting work thinking, you know, what I'm doing is cool. It's making a difference. And I'm excited tomorrow to sit down and work on the next piece of this. That's hard to do sometimes because sometimes we're stuck in drudgery, especially in IT and you know, you're updating servers. And that's, and that's just, I call that the thunking. It's the stuff that you hate to do, but you have to do. But I think the innovation piece is, is key. I don't know if I answered the question completely for you, but it's kind of where my mindset is. Oh, I like it. You, you recognize the need for people to have purpose in their work and you want them engaged. So you've changed, uh, I would say you've innovated or iterated upon the methodologies that you use to engage with the people and how engaged they have become with your product as a result. You know, without doing the things in between, you can't get to the the engagement level that that you mentioned. So I, I it may be that someone listening to this is considering leadership but hasn't really considered the impact of people feeling the the purpose in what they do and having someone like yourself share that vision with them and how their work on this product and, and this innovation or or even making what we do better is going to impact the product, the company. How, how is my role here having a larger purpose for this organization? And hopefully that gives me some personal satisfaction and sense of accomplishment. You know, the DNA from where I came from and being able to be working on literally multiple new projects on a month, could, could be monthly or, you know, semi-annual basis, kept me excited about the job. Obviously, I had systems that I had to support that were legacy, that were going through upgrades, but it was a much slower pace. But there were systems that were brand new. So for me, I understood that that job satisfaction of having something new to work on is fresh, challenging. You have to really think, you know, I mean, hard, hard, hard problems to solve. You know, it's an example, you know, in airplanes, there's two things that are not unlimited. One is power <laughs> and number two is space. And there's a give and take. So sometimes you need to put something in that would require more power and you'd have to take something out. It was this type of a challenge. And I transformed that into the company thinking is that, okay, when we're working on these projects and stuff, this is, we don't have a space or limited power issue because, you know, it's just server space, right? But it's also mind space. You know, is this going to suck us dry from a technical support standpoint? 
or is this something that you know is going to run pretty autonomously and need to be touched on a on a basis? So all that goes into what you build. It really, really does. This AI thing has got me a little scared, but our strategy for AI is I'm not going to get locked into a language model. I'm going to be able to flip a switch if I want to go to Claude or if I want to be on ChatGPT or if I want to be on Meta. I can make that switch and because we're using the dumbest AI we'll ever use right today. So it's exciting. It's exciting time, but it's it's hard to pick a strategy that is not going to be obsolete in two weeks. I can see that as a almost feeling like you're like constantly sitting on an inflection point. And the question is, is like, uh, am I going to become pets.com? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you feel like the water's right here, you know, how before someone's pushed your head and you're going to be under, you know, and the key is to keep your head. <laughs> you know, I always say that as long as the green line's above the red line, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you're moving the business forward, but especially sure. in this time right now, the economy's tight yeah. and podcasting itself, there's no secret, it's pretty flat. So again, it's, you know, we went through several of these cycles of down economies. So, you know, we, we knew what to expect. And, and, you know, again, we're, we've been profitable every year we've been in business, not sometimes not by much, but again, as long as you keep the green line above the red line, I think that's the key in almost any business industry. Otherwise you, you don't survive. So many directions we can go in here, <laughs> but I definitely want to circle back and tap into your, you know, that inflection point on AI. In fact, maybe I'll pivot and, and save, you know, other questions I have for a little bit later that it, it seems so key. What is your viewpoint on that? Like, I, I hear you saying we don't want to get locked into a language model. Um, so that, you know, again, speaks back to this, like, hey, I need to stay diverse, right? I'm not betting the business on on one thing when it could be wrong. I want to be able to quickly pivot into a different direction. But when you see things happening right now, like what is the impact of AI in podcasting? Like, is it in your vision? Is it in content development? Is it in backend services? H how do you see that working right now? You know, the question that I always give to myself, will this help our customers? Is something I'm going to do save them time or make their product better? And I think content development is going to help content creators and maybe get stuck creatively a little bit. I think that will be a piece of it. And then post-production piece. Uh, lots of companies are doing the social stuff already. I don't necessarily want to compete in the social space. But it's also, you know, what's the thing I get asked all the time? How do I grow my show? That's the number one question I get from any content creator I talk to. That's it. It's always a thing. So... I have to be focused. If I'm going to do something with AI, how can I use the these new tools to m help them grow a show? So we've got a strategy that, you know, we've taken about three to four months to really think this through. And if you follow my show or you follow the, the other show I do, I'm a new media show. You know, I'm kind of public about what I've experimented with. So it's, it's not like it's a big secret. But I think that what is going to happen is the thunking, that word's coming up again. I actually stole that from Google, by the way. The thunking is uh, creating documents, creating proposals, creating outlines, drafts. That thunking is going to be done by the AI. But still, on the left-hand side of that is the creative. Those people, they're super creative. They're thinking about, okay, here's what I got planned for my podcast, and here's the guest I'm going to have for the next three months. 
that creative piece is still going to be needed. But maybe some of that show prep based upon that creative thinking, it's going to be done by the AI. And then in, on the other side of it, you have to be the subject matter expert of your topic, your content, so that when the production piece is done by the AI, you can validate and say, okay, yeah, this thing didn't run home to mom and lie, which it loves to do. It loves to make stuff up. So you have to have that other side of this where you are going to be the person that's going to review the output and say, all right, we need to change this and this and this because it got it wrong. It's not perfect. And you have to understand that it's not going to be perfect for a long time. And then, of course, the biases and all the stuff that's there. So I think our goal, and we're going to have to do a big job of educating the content creators, like, listen, this thing isn't going to get it right all the time. There's a saying in aviation. They have this book from Naval Aviation called NATOPS. It gives you all the rules, weight limits, speeds, power, everything. It's basically the Bible for the airplane. But there's one key phrase is that this book is not a substitute for common sense. All right. If the airplane's pointing down, it's head toward the ground, you pull up, right? So we have to look at this from this perspective is if the AI says, oh, here's 10 topics for you. You look at those like, well, three of those suck. You need to make sure you throw those out. Because, you know, this is not really AI yet. It's language model. So I think from that perspective, as long as the public knows that and the podcasters know that this is a tool to help with creative and help with production, they're going to be good. We're going to be coming out with a series of new things that are going to help podcasters grow their show. But some of it's tricky. Sometimes it doesn't get it right. And it's going to be the pain points that people have to understand that, you know, these models will lie and make stuff up. But I think if you like this type of a show, where we're having a ranging discussion, AI has a hard time summarizing this. If you're doing a show where it's point, 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 it, it does well at summarizing, but not a ranging show. So your, your show may not as give as much value out of a transcript analysis as me, them doing a new show where I'm just talking about 20 different topics. We'll see what happens with this. But Again, I've been thinking about this a lot and I was even doing testing a couple of nights ago and I'm like, two great outputs, one, and you know, I'm fighting with AI treating it like a child. I say, if you were my intern, I'd fire you for this output. And I'm talking to it like a, you know, like an intern, which is kind of weird, but that's what they say you have, you're supposed to do. It's the tool and the SME, subject matter expert, and those bubble areas just changing a little bit is what I hear. You, you got to have the SME on this side, on that output side to say, no, that's too flowery or did it just ramble or did it interject something I really didn't talk about in a show summary? And those types of things. And it's going to be true for any type of output you get from the, these systems for a while. It's going to need a lot of hand on, but it, it'll get better over time. I think it's going to get better rapidly. It sounds like you think the biggest problem that can be solved is the blank page problem. Like the person staring at the blank page saying, what are we going to talk about in the show? And then on the back end, the person looking at the transcript going, how am I going to summarize this? Right. So if you get rough drafts for both of those things, it's a lot easier to go back and edit than it is to like create from that blank page. And podcasters have been notoriously lazy if we're putting out good show notes. And, you know, this is not necessarily a business advice, but it's a podcast advice is you record for your audience. You write for Google because the, the writing piece is what Google is going to chew up, you know, and as this AI models get bigger, search is going to change and you want your content to be the source to saying, hey, go look at this show and this content or this episode 
So the the metadata that you actually give Google is going to become more and more important. Well, listen, as we wind down here, Todd, we want to say thank you so much for this discussion. If people want to come back to the source of the knowledge shared on this show and speak to you, where can they find you? It's easy. It's Todd at Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry without the E's because they cost $2 million and we couldn't afford it. So Todd at Blueberry.com is the best way. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and every other place or Facebook. Just search for my name, Todd Cochran, and you'll find me. And I know that um, you're, you're hurting for, for listeners on your podcast, so maybe you could plug those here. Yeah, well, in the new media show, uh, the saying we have is you listen to the show long enough, you'll get a PhD in podcasting. I can't issue a certificate, though. <laughs> <laughs> the Geek News Central is my tech show, The Genesis Show. It's a twice-weekly tech show where we just you know, I dive into the stories. It could be science. It could be something that the FCC is doing. It's, you know, it's, it's a wide, broad stroke of everything tech. And then the show that we do for the company is called Podcast Insider. There's three of us where we talk about specific topics and strategies uh, for podcasting. But the new media show, I have a lot of fun. I, Rob Greenlee is my co-host, and he's worked for every podcast hosting company basically he's existed. So it was kind of funny doing a show with a, a competitor. He's no longer a hosting competitor, but he's got his own thing. So we still have a great time doing that show. Hey, it's, it's co-opetition. Yeah. Uh, the joke I always used to say was like, Hey, we're not fighting over pieces of pie. You know, we're in a, we're in a pie factory. Absolutely. There's, there's more pie than we can eat. Let's figure out ways to eat pie faster. Todd, thanks so much for your time. It, it's been really terrific to to listen to your story and some of the lessons that you've learned and the interesting vision that you have for the future as well. Well, thanks for having me. And it's been fun uh, doing a little bit of a deep dive here. If you're a leader listening to this show, my hope for you is that you would take the same mindset that Todd Cochran spoke about in trying to keep the work employees do interesting and engaging. If you can do that, you're going to be contributing to employee satisfaction and people are going to want to work hard for you. That's one aspect of good leadership, providing those opportunities for people to do interesting work. And I hope that others listening who maybe are individual contributors get to do interesting work every day, or at least some of the time. Hopefully something you're doing is interesting. And if it isn't, and maybe there isn't enough work that's really interesting to you, that's exciting to you, you can change that. It isn't just up to your manager to provide those opportunities to do interesting work. It can also be something you ask for. Jason Langer spoke about this in episode 218, that we can go and ask for more opportunities. Maybe it's working on a new project or a different technology or adding some tasks that are a little bit outside your area, but that enable you to stretch and grow and learn. So it does work both ways, from the bottom up and from the top down. And if both sides are thinking about it, both the employee and their boss, even better. Maybe they can meet in the middle and find the right level of challenge and interest to promote the most employee engagement and the most value to the company. 
And as a leader, part of keeping the work interesting for the holistic employee base might be recognizing when it's time to part ways for certain employees. Todd called that out as something that was very difficult for him that he learned a bit late. But that is an element that comes into play if you are going to pursue the people management track. Now, if you listen toward the end of our interview, we talked a lot about artificial intelligence technologies and how Todd was thinking about building a strategic roadmap to use those technologies for his company to provide more value to its customers. And maybe at first you listened to that and you wondered, well, why are we going so deep on the technology and its usefulness? And I kind of thought the same thing when we were having the discussion. But as I was listening back and doing the editing, this is about more than just AI. First, part of the job when you're CEO of a product and services company like Blueberry is to understand how you can utilize those new technologies that are coming down the pipe. How can I use those to provide more value to my customers, to increase my revenue, to increase my margin, to help my company do things better from an internal process standpoint? For us, the technologists, we need to be able to understand how those newer technologies are going to, either out of necessity or helpfulness, integrate into our work. Or maybe it changes the way we work completely. We don't want to be caught off guard and disrupted in a negative way. So when John talked about having the innovation budget in there, maybe we need to have that as part of our own career roadmap some innovation time for ourselves to go and learn and tinker with something new or at least something that we haven't been exposed to yet. We don't necessarily have to become experts in it, but I need to learn about it. What are my peers learning about and focusing on right now for their own growth? What's something that's interesting to me? Maybe it's going to a conference or a training in something outside your area. Maybe it's going and talking to a bunch of different technology vendors at a conference just to learn about the products they have, the problems they're solving. Maybe you don't need to solve those problems right now, but perhaps you will. And knowledge that there are solutions out there can really help you learn where to start when the time comes. And all this discussion kind of reminded me of our talk with Duncan Sparrow in episode 249 about the technology hype cycles. And where you want to be in the technology hype cycle is ideally ahead of the curve. And as we think about a product roadmap, usually this consists of rough expected dates and timelines of when we're going to deliver a capability or functionality of this product or service to the general public or in beta. Have you ever considered making one of those for yourself? That might be analogous to what we do when we sign up to take a certification. Okay, I'm going to take this training course. I'm going to take the certification test a month after that and give myself a certain amount of time to study. That's a roadmap for you to get to a certain point and deliver this capability of showing you can pass this test and gaining these skills. Maybe we do that from time to time, but we probably don't do it in the depth and detail that Todd was speaking to at his company where he had so many stakeholders weigh in on it and give feedback 
And then it wasn't something that they would just lock in a vault or put in a document that no one ever looked at. He would look at it regularly. He would come back to it. So if you were making one for yourself, maybe maybe you don't have a bunch of stakeholders to involve in that, other than perhaps your your closest trusted advisors and family members. But how often are you looking at it to see if you would consider it still something you want to do or a direction you want to go in? Is it possible that some of the things we at one time set out to do, we don't need to pursue anymore? And maybe we need to do something different. We're only going to know that if we come back and look at it somewhat regularly, not just when we need to go get that new job, not just when we're ready to try something new, not just when it's performance review time. It's easier said than done. Well, the roadmap for delivering our next episode says next Tuesday. We'll see you then. Just a reminder, we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at NerdJourney. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at BJourneyman. For Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore. Signing off. Adios. Adios.